Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be certain selected passages from Matthew, the 24th chapter, and we will begin with the third verse. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when all these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars, rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famine and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Uh, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. And at that time many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations. And then the end shall come. And then beginning with the 32nd verse. Now learn a parable from the fig tree. When the branches has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. Even so you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of this day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days which were before the flood they were eating and drinking, They were marrying and given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the floods came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Lord, help us to understand what we have read this morning. I hope that you will give careful ear to what we're thinking about this morning. The last days at home. Now last Sunday we talked about the coming of the battle of the Armageddon and the last battle that's going to be fought here upon the earth and we thought about what Ezekiel had to say as some 600 years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was led by the Spirit and was able to see what would come to pass down through time perhaps where we are more than any other time and we considered those things that he had to say about the fulfillment of the prophecies now that are upon us 
To me, they are very compelling facts, and one that you and I had better take seriously today as we're thinking about our part and our place in the kingdom of God today. Now, for those of you who were not here, let me review just quickly for you uh, that we talked about uh, the fact of the false prophets, the power, and the wonderful things that they would be able to do and to have and how gracious they would be and how pleasing to the eye and to the ear. But instead of them receiving power from the great God, they would receive power from the devil himself. And then we talked about the prophecies that Ezekiel made about the hunger and pestilence and famine that would be upon the face of the earth and known around the world. And certainly that has been fulfilled within our time and it is being fulfilled. And then we talked about Israel, God's people. And a nation that had been out of existence for over 2,000 years and in 1948, coming back alive again, and then how all the Jewish people around the world, from every land upon the world, how mainly with the young people it was a burning desire within their heart and soul that they would give up everything in their homeland after the parents and grandparents had been living there for generations before them, give it all up in order that they might be able to go or even to book passage to Israel. And when they set foot on the, the land that they had carved out again for themselves, that God had promised to old Abraham long, long ago, uh, they had a saying, Shafter Abaita, and they would say, I have come home. I have come home. Now that is what's been going on and is going on in the world today. And right now, not something that's happened several years ago, though it did start several years ago, but dear friends, you and I, uh, right in the midst of this fulfillment of the prophecy uh, that we find within the scripture, whether it be in the Old Testament or whether it be in the New Testament, even in the book of Revelation. And now, let us come to the church. Because here is where you and I, where we find ourselves at, at this very time. The church. The church. The church will find itself in a very difficult and a very hard position. And it will come to us mainly from two sources. There is the coming to a hardship and a wound to the church from the outside. And it is as if God is shifting his people and weighing the church in a balance, so to speak, in order that he might be able to discern, or more perfectly, that he might be able to prepare his people to make a witness to this world in a great and a mighty way. Now, there is a second thing that is going to come to us. It's going to cause a great deal of confusion and frustration to the church. And the interesting thing is that this wound will come from within. It will be a self-inflicted wound. There will be a battle raging within the church. Now, I hope we know something that a civil war Wherever it is fought is one of the most cruel wars that is ever fought anywhere, any place. Because it is love that has turned to hate, and it becomes cruel, and it becomes deadly. And this is the type of thing that will happen to the church. It will be a time of when the Lord will be preparing this church for his world. Now, it's interesting to note that God is going to be doing with the church exactly what he is doing with Israel. Now, Israel will not find itself in hard straits anymore because of its sin, especially in the last days. 
He will not be dealing with them because they have sinned more than any other people. He will not be dealing with the church because they have sinned more than any other people are not measuring up to what he expects. But it's going to be for two reasons why this difficulty, hardship will come to the church. Or maybe we can say it's the sorrow of the church. And folk, I believe with all of my heart and with all of my soul, as I read what is said within God's word, and as I check what's happened around us, I think the church has already entered in to this sorrow, the tribulation the sorrow of the church for two reasons he's going to do it because he wants to bring judgment against the world and he's going to bring judgment against the world through the church and the way that he's going to do this he wants the church to be what he wants it to be what he intends for it to be in order that they will have a basis for judgment they will be able to look at the church and the members of a church and be able to decide and say this is what you should have been secondly and you can find it again over in Ezekiel the 38th chapter and along about the 23rd verse he is going to be doing this at this time preparing it for the judgment as so that he at this time when he reveals himself to the church through the Lord Jesus Christ and his return to the church uh, that it will be in order that the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified. Simple as that. Two main things. But notice the difference in the emphasis now that is placed on the sorrow or the hurt or the wound or the sorrowing church and what will be taking place. Now, the sorrow will come to us mainly from, I believe, two places. There will be an unwillingness within the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, for us to listen to one another. There will be a loss of respect and a loss of love. It will not be a matter of what is the intent of the Lord, what is right or what is wrong, because it will not be divided so carefully this way. You see, there will be a good way and there will be a better way. And we will haggle over what is the better and what is the good way. Even to the place that we may come to the place where the intent will be upon what will keep me in power, what will satisfy me, and what will my faction and my group think is best. It will not be necessarily have our eye on the Lord Jesus Christ as to what he will do or what he wants us to do. Now, and there is this wider division within the church that comes. This is mainly within the group, but there's another wider thing. This is a sort of a two-headed type of a situation. And that is, it will come in this way. There will be those who are on the outer edge of the church, the outer fringe, and those who are at the center of the church. Now you can readily understand what's going to happen and what will happen. Think about this. Here's a person that comes to church whenever he or she feels like it. And unfortunately, they don't feel like it too often. Here's a person that comes to church and takes part within the church and gives to the church when they feel like it or what they have left over. And the truth of it is, they don't have too much left over and they don't feel like giving too much. Here's a person on the outer fringes of God's people and he reads the Bible or she reads the Bible whenever they feel like it and as one said the only time I read the Bible is to prove a point tragedy 
And then here's a person that says, well, I pray the only time that I really pray is when I feel like it and when I have some need, a tragedy. The outer fringes of the church. We base our religion upon how we feel at that particular time as to tell us about our commitment and our dedication to God and our participation in the kingdom of God. Okay, now here's another group. Now here's another person. His religion is not based on feeling alone, but it is based on a commitment and a dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this person, he will take part within his church and within the body of Christ. It does not matter how he feels unless he is incapacitated, you see. Because his commitment is one that he has made not just to the church, but is a matter between he and his God. Now, don't we wish we had all of us uh, committed at that level, you see. And here is this person. He gives not because of the need of the church, whatever it might be. The church could have a million dollars, and that does not excuse him of his responsibility as a steward in the kingdom of God. His commitment is not just to the church. It is to the Lord Jesus Christ, and his commitment is worked out through the body of Christ. And this person is alive. Oh, he's alive. He is alert to what's going on. He reads the Bible every day or enough of weekly to know what God is saying to him so that he can respond as he needs to respond. It is a matter of him praying many times a day, not in a formal way, but as he goes about his business, he's doing exactly what Paul is telling us to do that we should pray at all times. The spirit and this attitude, trying to discover and ascertain what is the will of God for my life and what should I be doing right now at this very moment in the kingdom of God. And he walks to the voice of the Holy Spirit because he's listening to the Holy Spirit. And this person is alive from the top of his head to the bottom of his soul. Now the stage is set for the conflict, folks. Now you see the church is challenged. And they're in session where they have to make up their mind how they're going to face the challenge. And you see, mark it down. Mark this statement down. And that is, Lord Jesus Christ is going to see that his church is going to be challenged not because of the sin of the church, but simply because he's going to prepare the church for the judgment against the world. Understand what he's doing. He is going to use the church as an example to the world. His judgment is going to be based in relation to his body. And so, you see, now we come to the place and we're going to be called upon to sacrifice like you wouldn't believe we are as the body of Christ. And so here we come to this opportunity that we have, whatever it might be. And if we vote one way, it means we're going to have to sacrifice. If we vote another way, we won't have to sacrifice so much. Now notice it's not a matter of complete white and black. Oh no, it's not that simple. It's the best. A commitment. A dedication. And so the church is divided. You have 64 and 40 against. And the church is neutralized. The church is neutralized. Now, folk, I want to tell you something. If I be reading what's right and what I understand, what I know within my lifetime as a preacher, and I'm talking as one of the older preachers in the conference, as I talk to these other preachers, I know 
Folks, I'm not guessing about this. I know it is harder today. Listen to this. Don't go to sleep on me. It is harder today for the church to make a decision than it has ever been in my lifetime. You see, if we could get together as a group of people, and if we could say, if we could say 85% of us say we're going to do this, we would do it. But when we come to the place where we stand so divided, we're completely neutralized. Multiply that by every church upon this land. Church after church, it doesn't make any difference whether you're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, or wherever. It is harder today for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ to reach a decision and act upon it than it's ever been. How do you explain it? We are living in those days when the tribulation has come uh, within and to the church. Yes, delivered to tribulation, the grief and the sorrow of the church. The sorrow of the church. You know, I've lived all my lifetime too. I've never heard, really, until here just lately, and I have never seen. I saw pictures on TV and then one of our magazines here some few weeks ago or a month or so, maybe a year ago, I forgot now, but the latest one happened just not too long ago, where the state and another state has padlocked a church door. Now, it doesn't make any difference for what reason, but in this case, if you saw the news as I did, it said because they were running a school in that church for their own children, and they did not use state-approved teachers to teach the children. And so the sheriff was there and had a big padlock on the church door. Now, it's enough to make your blood run cold. Now, we are entering into a day that we have never been in before in relation to what is happening and going to happen within the church. Now, folks, it is not something that I am speculating about that happened to another person. You know, I'm really kind, considerate, loving, and understanding. <laughs> but you know, five years or six years ago, do you know that I was threatened by the state to be arrested? And the reason they wanted to arrest me, and the reason they tried to, and the reason they were going to, and it was no mere threat. They sent people from down from Frankfurt trying to convince me that I was wrong, you see, and try to get me licensed what we were running that time as a Mother's Day Out program. And I looked at this Mother's Day Out program and told them so. They did everything they could to intimidate me. And I told them I view this program just exactly the way that I view a Sunday school class. We teach these little ones how to live together in a Christian way, even at that tender age. We have prayer with them. We tell them Bible stories. It's not just a babysitting situation. We try to influence them as we try to influence one another in church and in Sunday school, and that's the way I view it. Yes, but you've got to be licensed. No, I am not going to be licensed. I took it to the board and thank God the board supported me. I went to them with fear and trembling because I was afraid that as soon as someone put a little pressure on and tried to intimidate us, they'd back off. But thank God they saw it as I did. We somewhere, somehow, some way must take our stand and we must stand. And we cannot let the state dictate to us what we are doing in the name of God and the way that we do it. If we as Christians can't come up with a Christian way to do it, let us not look to a pagan state to tell us what to do. Amen. Close the door. Forget it. And would you believe that they came down? It's interesting. Right down to the day before. 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> he was working late. God love him. 
between 10, 30, and 11 o'clock at night, they called me and said, well, we've decided not to arrest you. <laughs> well, oh, we might as well laugh, I suppose, and cry about the situation. But there's where we are today. That's not hearsay, friend. That is what I have been through in my day and my time. And I want to tell you, as long as I am preacher here, now you may have the bishop to move me tomorrow, or whatever he makes up his mind, he wants to, and he can, and he will, I'm sure whenever he makes up his mind. But as long as I'm here, I will never be licensed by the state as to what we do in this church teaching people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Somewhere, someplace, we will have to make our stand and take our stand and whatever comes, we will have to be willing to pay the price, whatever that might be. Because I want to tell you, coming within the church, there will be a time uh, that within our own church, within the fellowship of God, that there will be those who will turn against one another. The lawlessness will sweep the land. There will be great tribulation. There will be a falling away. When I read to you about the false prophet, you think not of a false prophet because that's too formal. We're thinking in terms of really what he's talking about is not a prophet, but he's talking about mainly we'd understand it better, is thinking about a false leader. A person who is interested in his own way, his own thing, and his own position. And he will come and he will have power, capabilities like you wouldn't believe. He'll be filled with charisma, with this type of love. He'll be able to speak as few people are able to speak. And many will be deceived. And it will not be so much a right out show of what is a situation where it is in, in great comparison, but it will be so smooth and so easily uh, that many will be misled. And folk, I want to tell you right now, you had better keep your eye, your heart, your soul, and your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ because you see it's going to come in this way. Unless you are really committed in your heart and soul. Now dear friends, listen. You will not be able to discern the difference here unless you have really committed your heart and your soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're just playing at this business of being a disciple, if you're just playing at this business of just being a church member, if you're just playing at this business of someday, sometime, I'm going to do something about it, that will not bite. You will not be able, at the deepest part within your soul, be able to tell the difference. It's going to be that exacting. And the only ones that's going to be able to tell the difference are those who take the Lord Jesus Christ seriously. There won't be any hope for those who do not take the Lord serious. You won't. It's coming. The day is upon us. Right now. Right now. Friend, I want to tell you something. There has never been a day within our history of this country that there has been a lawlessness in the world as it is today. Terrorism is everywhere. And these people are mad, cruel. Uh, they fight almost without a cause. They'll kill anyone, anywhere, any place, anybody, guilty, the innocent, altogether. Doesn't make any difference. They'll blow them all apart. And there's whole nations taken with this type of terrorist difficulty. Madness has laid hold of great groups of people today within our society, made up of every country of the world almost. And they're international, drawn from everywhere. And we are in that type of a situation. And I read the other day something that chilled me. Did you know that here within our own city, right here, right now, within our city, 
that we are faced with this situation that there's more teenage prostitutes and more teenage pregnancies in this city than any other city in the United States this size. And there are more teenage suicides in this city than any other city in this land of ours this size. So we're not talking about something that may come to us. We're talking about something that has laid hold of our very soul, our very lifeline. It's upon us right now at this situation, you see? And we cannot be half-hearted about it as a church. Christ calls us to give him first place within these hearts and souls of ours. And I want to tell you something, dear friends. You can take a dedicated Christian today, and you put him up beside someone that's just planted this business of being a Christian, and it's going to make his religion look awful shabby and awful bad. And I want to tell you what's going to happen. First of all, he's going to come to the place where he's not going to love this person too much. He's going to be in contention with him. He's not going to love this committed Christian. It shows him up too badly, you see. And then what happens? Loss of love. And then what after loss of love? Hate. And now the prophecy of the scriptures have been fulfilled. There's hate within the fellowship of God simply because there's a loss of love. It'll be a time the last days when the devil will be at work as he has never been at work before and how anyone can look at this world in which we live today and think that the devil is not at work today is beyond me more than he has ever been before within my lifetime but at the same time thank God at the same time the Holy Spirit is going to be at work as he has never been at work before and, folk, I want to tell you that I live to see the day right now, at this very hour, that the Holy Spirit is working more today in evidence that you can see than he has ever been again in my ministry. Ever. Ever. Right now. Working with the hearts of men and women as he has never worked before. Let me tell you, you are here this morning. If you would check your own heart and soul, you notice that that gentle urging of you, not from the preacher, because sometimes that's too brash or some other way, but the gentle urging of your heart, there is that within your soul right now that is encouraging you to do what you know within your heart and your soul that you ought to do. Just a quiet voice. You sense it. You know it's there. Just gently urging you on. My friend, respond to that because that is none other than the Holy Spirit doing his gentle, kind work with you. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 